Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. This week, we feature remarks made at a gallery chat entitled Neighbors, which was held at the Jewish History Museum on South Stone Avenue on Friday, May 17, 2019. Dr. Margaret Redmond McFadden is the pastor at Prince Chapel African Methodist Episcopal, or AME Church, which is the second oldest African-American church in Southern Arizona. It was founded in 1905 in Barrio Viejo. In 1941, Prince Chapel moved next door to what was at the time Temple Emanuel and is now the Jewish History Museum on South Stone. The congregations were involved in Tucson's Committee for Interracial Understanding, founded in 1943. At the talk, there was a photograph of members of both congregations from the 40s when the Prince Chapel's choir performed a concert at Temple Emanuel. KXCI Community Radio was a sponsor of the event. Up first, the Jewish History Museum's Ariel Goldberg introduces the talk. KXCI's Director of Outreach, Elva De La Torre, also spoke. And then Dr. Margaret Redmond McFadden discusses the founding of the AME Church and its work today, as well as the historic and current relationship between Prince Chapel and the Jewish History Museum. Dr. Margaret Redmond McFadden here, who is the pastor at Prince Chapel Church, which is our neighbor to the right. This is one of our gallery chat programs, which if you're not familiar, every other Friday we have a 20 to 30 minute discussion talk. Uh, There'll be time for questions afterwards that animates an object, a line of text, or a theme in either our sanctuary space or the Holocaust History Center. So today, Margaret's going to be speaking about the history of Prince Chapel Church and the AME Church that has been on this block just as long as the Jewish History Museum's former Temple Emanuel Synagogue. The space used to be Temple Emanuel. And This photograph talks about Rabbi Joseph Gumbiner and also is of the Prince Chapel Choir in the 1940s when they performed inside of this space. So there's a really beautiful echo in the photograph. You can see the bima and um, the arc just behind this illuminated image. This is one of, I hope, many future collaborations with Prince Chapel. And uh, we have also partnered with another neighboring organization, KXCI. I'm going to now introduce Elva Della Torre to talk about that collaboration. All right, good morning. Thank you. So my name is Elva Della Torre. I'm director of outreach at KXCI Community Radio. And we're just really thrilled to be part of this collaboration and supporting our neighbors, our Armory Park neighbors. It's been great working with Ariel and on this collaboration and as well with uh, Dr. McFadden and Brian Davis, who's the executive director here at the Jewish History Museum. Uh, currently on our website, you'll actually be able to hear a conversation, an interview that was recorded about this talk. Um, and we will also be posting the audio of this uh, gallery chat on our website and some of the pictures, so we have our photographer as well. So just very happy to be part of this and one of our, what we call our meaningful collaborations uh, with our community members, so thank you. Thanks, Elva. And without further ado, Dr. Redmond McFadden. Thank you, good morning. First, I wanna acknowledge our friends, our neighbor here. 
Thank you so much for the invitation. I really appreciate it, and so does Prince Chapel. Uh, we are, like many other churches in these times, we are redefining what it means to be God's people. One of the things that the AME Church has been noted for is social justice. As a matter of fact, that's how the AME Church was born. In the late 1700s, there was a freed slave by the name of Richard Allen. He and some others were worshiping at um, St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia. And as was the custom of that day, the Americans of African descent were required to sit in the balcony. And in the AME tradition, each and every Sunday, we have what's called altar call, which is a time for parishioners to come to the altar and just have a little talk with God. Well, this one particular Sunday, something was different about the worship and that Americans of African descent came down to the altar before the others had prayed. And I'd like to quote exactly what he said. Well, first of all, Richard Allen was converted to Methodism and soon purchased his freedom. When John and Charles Wesley introduced Methodism to America, Allen and other black persons were drawn to Methodism because of its plain preaching style and organized structure. In his biography, Allen recounted the experience that sowed the seed of protest in 1785, which would lead to the first religion birthed on American soil. Allen wrote, a number of us usually attended St. George's, and when the colored people began to get numerous, they moved us from the seats we usually sat on. On Sabbath morning, we went to church, and the sexton stood at the door and told us to go in the gallery. We expected to take the seats over the ones formerly occupied below, not knowing any better. Meeting had begun, and they were nearly done singing, and just as we got to the seats, the elders said, let us pray. We had not been long upon our knees before I heard considerable, considerable scuffling and low talking. I raised my head up and saw one of the trustees having hold of the Reverend Absalom Jones, pulling him up off his knees and saying, you must get up. It is not your turn to pray. Mr. Jones replied, wait until prayer is over. The trustee said, no, you must get up now or I will call for aid and force you away. Mr. Jones said, wait until prayer is over and we will arise and trouble you no more. By this time, prayer was over and we all went out to church in a body and they were no more plagued with us in the church. Now just fast forward to 2014. The first AME church that was founded, we call it Mother Bethel. It is in Philadelphia. And if you've ever seen the AME logo, you see that there's an anvil and a cross in the middle of a shield. And of course, that has meaning. The anvil was because Richard Allen purchased a blacksmith shop. And that has always been our symbol. We know that we have to do the hard work if we want the blessings. That was the beginning of the AME Church and of African Methodism. There are three other strains of black Methodism all coming out of the Methodist Episcopal tradition. First, there is the AME Zion denomination, which was started in New York. Then there is the, it was first the colored Methodist Episcopal Church when the North and South split over slavery, a group of the African-Americans left the Methodist body. Well, fast forward 
the North and the South, they reunited and now they're United Methodists, but I don't know if you're all aware, they're starting to fray around the edges right now because they feel that God didn't create us all in her image. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so that's how we got started as a church. So social activism is really part of our DNA. When we see the downtrodden of those who are being mistreated, you know, the homeless, you know, the, the people who, you know, want to use their own voice over their own body, you know, people like that. We celebrate them, we encourage them, and we actually do work together on the international level. The AME Church has two million members worldwide. We have churches, and I was just sharing, we have churches in Africa, we have some churches in France, we have churches in India, we have a church in Toronto, we have churches along the eastern seaboard and the Caribbean islands. The church went wherever the people were. When you look at the trajectory of how the AME church spread, it always moved to where the people were. And they would always, always try and position their church on a corner near the entrance to the town. Now, why do you think they would do that? Well, as freed Americans of African descent were migrating westward, you know, we were part of the westward movement as well. They knew if they saw the anvil and shield, they could find a place to sleep, a place to eat, and assistance with finding suitable employment. So that has been part of who we are since our beginning. The African in our name does not mean it's only African people who are members of our church. If they believe in God, they're welcome. So we welcome anybody. Our, as you may know about church life, the people in the pews drive what the bishops do. Uh, we're still not there yet on the LGBTQIA agenda on an international level, but pastors, radical pastors like myself, God loves everybody, no exceptions. So that's kind of who we are as a denomination. Now, who are we as Prince Chapel? Prince Chapel started out over on 17th and Covenant. And in 1941, we moved to this building. And since that time, we have had, I don't know, 34, 35 pastors. Guess what? I'm the first female pastor. <laughs> and I believe I can honestly say that they didn't care whether I was male, female, LGBT. They didn't ask me any of those questions. They said, will she love us? Will she love us back to health? And that's what we've been doing. You're listening to remarks made by Dr. Margaret Redmond McFadden, pastor at Prince Chapel AME Church, at a gallery chat which was held at the neighboring Jewish History Museum on South Stone Avenue on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. So we do social justice, but we do it differently because the needs are different now. But we are still grounded in the belief that God created all of creation. And the multifacets of humanity that we see is just a part of God's diversity of self. How can God be both male and female? Because he's God. I mean, there are some things you believe by faith, and that's where we are. So now, 
what does the Jewish faith have in common with the AME church? First of all, the AME church and black church in general is grounded in the Exodus story. We were slaves, but we knew that at some point God would redeem us. And that's exactly how we live now as a redeemed people, no longer subject to the whims and capriciousness of others as best we can. We were delivered from bondage. The Exodus story is the story of God being with the Hebrews. Yes, they were Hebrews at the time. They were convinced that God would bring them out. And he did bring them out with a mighty hand, took them to a land called Canaan, told them to conquer it and all of that other good stuff. Unfortunately, subsequent generations have determined that they can choose to conquer without being directed to do so by God and claim their own land. But anyway, I digress. That's another one of my issues. Did you know that before the first Americans were invaded, they called this land Turtle Island. The Native Americans had a unique belief about God, about the universe, and about nature. And I would like to suggest that they probably have one of the purest religions, which is, how can you own the sky? It's here for all of us. And that's what the AME Church tries to deliver in its social justice work. What else do we have in common with our Jewish brothers and sisters? Family and community-centric. One of the reasons that Bishop Allen chose Methodism as the form of polity was because the structure of the Methodist Church provided a very necessary framework for a group of people who had once been slaves but were no longer a way to create community. We created schools when they wouldn't let us go. We now have 20 colleges and universities in the United States and many, many more over in Africa and in places that are also underserved because of their diverse appearance. It's sometimes difficult for us to assimilate, so we have learned that if we provide our own, we don't have to assimilate on others' terms. That's what African Methodism is about. And in its very best, best sense, it's a cult. We have shared traditions. You can walk into any AME church and know that you're in an AME church. You are going to see an altar rail. There's always gonna be an altar rail. That's how we know it's AME. That shield is going to be somewhere visible. That's how we know it's AME. And we have an order of service. We do worship the same way every single Sunday. But creative preachers have found ways to make that even more diverse. We just are rebellious people by nature. And in a good way, I mean that. So what else do we have in common? The Jewish people have many names for God. El Royai, the God who sees. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I mean, we could go on and on. Unbeknownst to many people, the Africans who were brought over and made slaves, they did not bring slaves to America. They brought free people and made them slaves. They already knew God. 
But because God did not look like the painting in the Sistine Chapel, they could not understand it. So anyone who did not share their worldview about God, we were considered the other. We were considered the heathen to be conquered and, you know, let's teach them how to be civil as if we weren't already civil. In my imagination, and sometimes I call it my sanctified imagination, which means there's a little part in my brain that God allows me to be a rabble rouser, and, it's so, and he's okay with that. In my sanctified imagination, who decided that walking on the right side down the hall was the only way to have order? Who decided that? Nobody checked with us. Did any of you? You didn't get a memo? No tweet? No email? No text? Nothing, right? But we had our own community. We created our community based on the traditions of all of the people who had been brought from Africa to America. They didn't care if we were from different tribes. You are a slave, end of story. You have no human rights. You are three-fifths of a person, so forth and so on. The AME Church has fought against that every step of the way. As a matter of fact, when Dr. King was preparing for the Montgomery bus boycott, he went to a little church called Brown AME Church in Selma, Alabama, which is where they started to walk across the Pettus Bridge. So that's who we are. That's what we do. And as I did a little research on Jewish history, it didn't surprise me that Prince Chapel and Rabbi Gumbiner got together and started doing what you see in this picture here. Uh, the only person that we can name is Mrs. Ruth Maddox. She is the only one who is still alive of all of those people there. And I think this picture was taken like in the 40s or 50s. It's just uh, our tradition has always been oral because reading and writing was a crime. So we told our stories. We are now starting as the AME Church has started to mandate theological education for its preachers and pastors. We've kind of learned how to write a whole lot. This is my dissertation. I refer to it often. But as we start to, we are starting to try and capture the oral stories before the Ruth Matthews of this, of our environment is gone. And I'm sure that you guys are doing that too. When you couldn't read and write, you had to talk. So that's who we are as a people. And the AME Church has influenced other African-American denominations as well. We have churches that, they have an altar too. We have, and because they see the efficacy of it. When you walk into an AME church, historically what we would do is walk into the sanctuary, go straight to the altar for our own personal prayer. Then we would go back to our seats and sit quietly until worship started. You see that in other churches. We've had a lot of influence. There are other denominations, African-American denominations, who are now mandating theological education as mainstream uh, denominations are saying, nah, that's all right, you don't have to have it. But we got ours, and it's our turn to be the, uh, be the scribes for our community, and that's what we strive to do. 
The most important, I think, commonality between the Jewish people and the people of the AME Church and of African Americans in general, the grounding of our religious and social culture is in the slavery we all encounter, in the dehumanization of us as persons. We share much in common in addition to that. We can't easily assimilate. It would be kind of hard for me to walk into, um, I don't know, let's say a country club and say I want to join without being asked a lot of questions and first question might be asking us to exit. <laughs> we'll continue with remarks made by Dr. Margaret Redmond McFadden, pastor at Prince Chapel AME Church at a gallery chat which was held at the neighboring Jewish History Museum on South Stone Avenue on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. We find our dignity and humanity in the crucible of that difference. When they told us we were no account, when they told us we didn't have, uh, we didn't have intelligence, when they told us that we couldn't be somebody, we went down to the Brush Arbor. That was the first black church, the Brush Arbor of the slaves. They would go down by the river and they would sing and shout until God heard them. Then they would go back and they would withstand the mistreatment until they were so convinced that one day God was going to take them out of this misery. And unfortunately, it cost the lives of thousands of humans. But that's what makes us different. But that's also what makes us alike. We bleed red just like everybody else. Jewish people, blood's red just like everybody else. Unless it's going up or down <laughs> through a vein or through an artery, I think it is. We feel we have a moral, ethical, and spiritual obligation to treat everyone with dignity, even if that means sometimes breaking unjust laws. In 1941, Prince Chapel moved to its current location with a limited number of African Americans in Tucson at that time. We had to find new ways to live out our social justice orientation. And at the time, Rabbi Gumbiner was over here raising havoc at Temple Emanuel. And so we came over and decided to join with him. Since there, there aren't enough of us, and he said, well, there aren't enough of us either, so maybe we should get together. And that we did, celebrating our differences, lifting up our commonalities of humanity. That picture was from a series of gospel concerts, I believe, that took place right here in this very place. You can see the similarities with what's already here. We learned how to respect each other's sacred spaces. And we found out that we were all human, striving for the same thing, dignity and humanity for all God's people. We're not there yet, but we are getting there. Collaborations come and go depending on the leader and their passion for whatever ministry it is. But I am so glad to know Ariel and all of the wonderful people over here. In the almost two years I've been here, we've started to do some things. 
and work together, and we are looking forward to reestablishing that connection, especially for such a time as this. I, I'm not going to discuss politics. I'm just not. I'm just not. <laughs> but this one thing I do know is I get ready to close. It is not a choir until the voices from the margins are heard. If people draw a circle to keep you out, draw a bigger circle to include them and others that have been excluded. We're seeing in these times, people are saying, you know, people are just bringing up racism. We're tired of talking about it. We're tired of hearing about it. And you know, my response is, well, can you imagine how I feel, how tired I am of living it? We are finding our voice. We're finding collaborations with others, and we finally qualified ourselves to be the prophet in the village. And that's what we strive to do on a constant and consistent basis is somebody has got to tell the king he has no clothes. Somebody's got to tell the emperor that this isn't Burger King. We will continue to do that. Our voices will be heard. I'm not a prophet, but just considering the way the world is going, we're going to need more collaborations of those who have been on the outside, those who lived on the outside, made a life. We're going to have to come together even more now because there are more of us than there are of them. That's why we see the holiday. Let's see. Can't have an abortion in Alabama. If you go over to Mississippi, you can't come back because we're going to arrest you. So basically what they're doing is they're codifying women's bodies as property of the state. That's not what God intended for us. We've got to be the ones to sound the alarm that no, this is not right. This is not just. And collaborations like these are just the beginning because I assure you, I think when I was in seminary back in 2008, our mission professor told us that by the year 2030, people of color will outnumber people not of color. And that's got some of them afraid. But, you know, I, I like to go back to our history as slaves in America. We don't fight. We just want to live. So if you come to the table, respect us. We'll respect you, and we can all make this work. And I think in the end, God will be satisfied. Thank you very much. Oh, I have just one story. I have to share this. This is the grounding of my theology. I was born in Oxford, Mississippi, 1956. When I was four years old, attend, our family attended Jordan Chapel AME Church, a country church. It had a church, it had a school, and it had the uh, cemetery. I was four years old. I said, Mom, I want to go to Ole Miss when I grow up. She never told me I wasn't smart enough. She never told me that I couldn't make the grades or that we didn't have the money. She simply said, baby, they don't let low-colored girls go there. Well, guess what happened the next year? And I told my mom, I said, Mom, God did that just for me. That's, you know, the thinking of a four-year-old. 
And yes, I did get my bachelor's degree in education from the University of Mississippi, hotty toddy. <laughs> so I encourage you to find out who God is to you. For me, God is love. He just loved me so much. He just, just a little foolish child, let her go. James, I want you to go over there next year. Make it happen. That's just who I believe God to be. And when you and your faith are grounded in your story, whatever your story is, people can't shake you. They can't break you. Oh, they will try. So a sign once that said they tried to bury me. They didn't know I was a seed. <laughs> but anyway, I, I just had to share that story because if you know your story, nobody can move you. And you can hear other people's stories. I'm really done. You've been listening to remarks made at a gallery chat called Neighbors, which was held at the Jewish History Museum on South Stone Avenue. Dr. Margaret Redmond McFadden is the pastor at Prince Chapel AME Church, which is the second oldest African-American church in Southern Arizona. In 1941, Prince Chapel moved next door to what was at the time Temple Emmanuel and is now the Jewish History Museum on South Stone. You can learn more about Tucson Prince Chapel AME Church on their Facebook page. Learn more about the Jewish History Museum at jewishhistorymuseum.org. The Jewish History Museum's Ariel Goldberg and KXCI's Director of Outreach, Ava De La Torre, also spoke. KXCI Community Radio was a sponsor of the event. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shager. You can find this and all recent episodes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org.